I just wanted it to be lit up so much. And I wanted it to be a remote control one that I could control. Oh, you feeling blue? Let's do a little colour change. Little LED light. You like have a little mood mood testicle. (laughs) Go on, kick it off there, Tash. Okay, right. Good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you may be listening to this. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. (laughs) This is Why Are We Like This with David and Tash. Tash and David, whatever comes first. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I am never. I'll start, shall I? Yeah, you're better at that. Okay. Um, Well, so how are you, first of all? I'm... I'm I'm okay, but I'm just staring out the window and it's horrible. Yeah, you're a, li- a little bit downtrodden by the weather, aren't you today? <sighs> I'm just not a duck. Fuck. Well, welcome to episode six of Why Are We Like This with Natasha and David. We have been doing this for 12 weeks now. Actually, 14 weeks. Take out the week that we forgot to do it. No, we didn't forget. We, just we didn't. weren't together. We, we weren't, weren't there. together. But here we are back in um, our home, room, our home on the sofa yep. where we sit. To record the, because a lot of people probably don't know where we are when we record this. Apart from the fact that last week we were like, we're so obviously, not last week, the last episode, we were so obviously like, we're in Skegness. In Skegness. But we are sat on our sofa in our living room. This is our safe place. Generally in the formation we normally sit of a night. It is that. We've got a lovely swivel chair. That's the guest chair. Well, don't you think? Sometimes you just feel in the mood to sit on the the, the, the swivel, swivel chair. chair. Yeah, it's a big old comfy sofa. It's lush. We do like that, and but everybody it, likes that. It, I broke it. That's yeah. the reason why it doesn't sit kind normally is because I broke it when I came to visit yeah, once upon asked. a time, long before I lived here. Yeah, you jumped on there two feet, and I was like, <laughs> "Get down!" <laughs> um, <laughs> I did. I broke yeah. it. So now it doesn't necessarily always sit facing the right direction oh, no. and if you if you lean one way on it you just go round and round last, like right last round. night I just kept staring at you what are you staring at I'm trying to watch the TV David <laughs> turn the other way um so you're all right you're just a bit upset about the weather I know do you know what I'm 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 all good I'm all good another very exciting weekend um I don't know if you know but I'm a uh, football out now so well, this is the thing. Uh, you now work for the FA. You're uh, you're the lion keeper, apparently. Is that what? Lion tamer? Lion tamer, yeah. Lion tamer. As somebody said to me this weekend, and they were like, do you have the get up and the whip to go with it? And I was like, right, this is a family show. Um, <laughs> but if you call me on this number, I'll let you know. <laughs> Imagine you were walking around like with a lion taming outfit. Um, yeah, and you... You fell into a horrible trap on Saturday of texting me, telling me things about the game in football speak. Yeah, I did. And I had to stop you. I was like, Natasha, I know you're feeling the vibes. I know you're in with the lads, but um, can you just stop messaging me with random <laughs> crap that makes no sense to me? We're moving into extra time. And you were like, where are you moving? What? And then he was like, oh, you might as well be speaking in Korean. And then so- you sent me Korean. <laughs> Because I thought, what not- was that? What did it actually say? Um, I'm here to support a certain team. <laughs> I can't believe you went to yeah, the, the actual that. trouble of I translating. Translated it. football terminology, but um, I am sorry. Uh, it was fun though. It was it was a good weekend. So yeah, I now live at Wembley in a box. 
<laughs> just in the corner. I just have to say that I don't live at Wembley. Well, that is probably the most exciting, crazy thing that's happened in the last two weeks for you. Because yeah, it's I been know. quite busy with that. Um, for me, what's been happening? What have I been up to? I did go to pool as well. So I went from Skegness. <laughs> I went from Skegness to Paul Dorset. You did. Um, for the weekend. We've been all over the country. I've yeah. been I've been in Torquay. Yeah. I've been in we the Wirral. I've been yeah. in North Wales. All over the place. Yeah. So we have been up and down. Uh, just travelling around in our cars, really. Yeah, in my new car. Travelling around in the cars. But no, it, genuinely, I'm I'm all good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. That was really high-pitched. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell yourself it. I'm fine. Uh, I'm good. I actually agreed uh, with myself that I was going to throw myself into 5K May again mm. this year. Year five. Five. Fifth five and five. year, yeah. Wow. It was the marathon this weekend. Just gone, so I knew that that would motivate me to want to go out there and the London Marathon. Isn't that incredible? Can we just say like claps all round? That's me clapping for all those people. And I have to say, shout out to my brother-in-law who has run it for the fourteenth time. Yeah, I, I don't even think he needs to try anymore. I think he just shows up. He does. He doesn't train. He just turns up. He's got a place, and he runs. Actually, he runs quite far, 26 and a bit. Runs quite a bit. Okay. I mean, I know from experience, it's a long way. Yeah. And it's a long old day. That's pretty impressive. I am, you know, he doesn't impress me that much. But, you know, when the marathon turns up and he does that and I'm like, yeah. Can I just say, though, that the feeling of like doing a run is one thing. Then you just have the best of the best of the best of humanity there. Mm -hmm. Like doing it and on the sidelines. People cheering for people, people running for people who are here, not well, unwell. People who are running for people who are no longer here. Mm. Um, one of the most, I don't know, the, one of, one of the, the moments I will never forget when I ran the marathon in 2018 was I was very like just going through the motions, getting through it, doing my own journey yeah. and getting there. And you have people running past you. You you kind of like, you're, you're constantly in a different group of people. Like uh-huh. it's so, because everyone's going at different paces and everyone <laughs> slows like, and stops. I'm so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I kept running. No, I'm absolutely people. not. Um, it was like the hottest one on record as well. So I was like proper taking it all in. And um, this guy ran up beside me and I clocked, I clocked him. He was like, right next to me mm. um, and I looked to my left and we made eye contact and I just kept I just kept going I just kept looking I looked somewhere else you know just yeah because you're just taking it all in and he was I, I could definitely tell that he was very obviously younger than me so I was 30 he was definitely in his mid-20s or something he right. was definitely younger than me um, and as he ran off he, he ran off in front of me on the back of his t-shirt was running for mom and dad and I just had this real moment where I was like, he is running for his mum and dad and I am running to my mum and dad who are at the end. Yeah. And I was just like, like, you think you dig deep to do a marathon yourself mm. and then you see that and you're like, whoa. And then you just, it's such a humbling moment. It's such a, um, yeah, just, it just makes you realise how lucky you are. Yeah. London's a nice place in the marathon. Yes. I yes. I am um, lost my phone. At the London Marathon one year. You did. I lost my phone. You paused phone. at a really weird place there. I thought you were going to say I lost, you lost something else. Oh, I lost. <laughs> I lost my phone. Phone. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Dignity. No, I lost my phone and I remember being, 
at Greenwich Park and I'd just seen Joe off again. I was with my family. My dad was there. Um, Joe, my sister. And I remember going all the way to the Cutty Sark and going, like, like hit, hitting myself and going, like, where's my phone? Hence why I have it on a cord these days. Yeah. But, um, phone on a rope. And I just had to run back to the start of the Greenwich um, line because I was with the kids and, you know, in the Greenwich Park, there's some hills and stuff and I was rolling down. I was like, I have to retrace my steps because it's probably just fallen out when I was rolling down the hill. Yeah. So I literally ran back through Greenwich Park. I felt like I did the bloody marathon that <laughs> year. I tell you. And the I, panic as oh well. Oh my God. But I kept going. Like I was just running and I went all up and down back to the start line and I couldn't. And obviously I was like, I need to get hold of somebody. Nobody could get hold of me because I didn't have my phone. So I just was like, stay here at the Cutty Suck, the toilets right next to the um, Greenwich corner where they come around on the corner. Yeah. You know where I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I can't find it. And then like I hot-footed it back to where my dad was. Um, and Rachel ran up to me. She was like, we found it. And I was like... No way. I was like, what? Like I just convinced myself, like, going to have to cancel my bank. I don't know what I'm going to do about like all my numbers on there, photos and things like that. Because yeah. you just panic, don't you? You go into a state of panic. And I was like, she ran up to me. She was like, your dad's got it. Your dad's got it. And I was like, don't tell me he's had it all along. That, was, <laughs> that would be that, really that, annoying. <laughs> I was like, and my dad said, yeah, this man found it, picked it up, rung my ice, which is obviously my dad. My dad was like, yeah, we're just here. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'll come over and meet you. And my dad was like, Oh, I don't really know what to say, mate. Like, is twenty quid? He was like, "No, I don't want that. I don't want your money. I'm just glad she's got a phone." That's so back. cool, though. And I was like, so grateful. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm paying that forward. I am obviously not not going to put my phone down ever again. So I have it on a rope around my neck. But good job um, your dad was there. If he's your yeah, like ICE in case of emergency. Like, if he was in Norwich, he wouldn't have had any idea what the hell this man no, was I ringing know. for. I think. Well, you're it now. By the way. Oh, I only I put you on recently as well. Recently? Well, I didn't have anything in it. Oh. I think I had... Actually, no, I probably had my dad down because he is probably the one person that if somebody called for my phone, he would answer it. You and my sister are my Isis. Isis. No, not... not no, Isis. no, 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 no. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> what is it? Emergency contact yeah. number. I wonder if... Um, I, I do sometimes wonder... Yes. Sorry. I do sometimes wonder if we are the only people who do this apart from like mothers um but like obviously when you go out i know where you are <laughs> because that? find my friends yeah so i'm i'm always intrigued and i always forget to ask people i'm like do you do have you, somebody that you, you track just, someone you just do you lock somebody yeah because <laughs> like obviously peter uh, another friend of ours and uh, my friend sarah in new york like and my mom and dad i now put them on my like tracker so i know where they are so my mom's car broke down so the other day and i was like stalker. <laughs> I just happen to really need to know where everybody is sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have an anxiety moment and I'm like, right, where is everyone? Okay, they're all in the right place. Great. Happy days. Oh, yeah. No, I, I you you and Peter are the only people that I've got. Like sometimes I follow other people at certain occasions, but I think it's important to track people. Not in a weird way. Well, I think we live in a busy city. Mm -hmm. We sometimes travel at odd times of the day and night, whether you're in your car or on public transport. And we meet random people. And we meet people for dates and other things. And it's always just nice to know. Yeah, that someone's got your back. You're on your way. Mm. And um, basically, I have it because when I know you're coming home, you like to have food on the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always be able to plan that ETA. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, my favorite thing. Um, 
but we do have to talk about something that I think it's really important that I bring up because we've alluded to this a couple of times on the podcast. And if anybody is brand new to the podcast or anybody who I don't know and haven't have only met in the last two years mm-hmm. um, might not know about my journey through testicular cancer and April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. And I wouldn't be doing my due diligence, due diligence, as a man, as a cancer survivor, as a testicular cancer survivor, if I didn't bring it up on all platforms. Absolutely. I think this is the, the right place. And listen, the journey happened from the start and I was there from, I'm going to say the second day. Well, yeah, day one, the second day. I mean, nobody apart from me knew anything from day one. So day two was kind of a big thing. So for context, for you were there from the beginning. So for context, um, I'll try and, you know, I always I always say long story boring. It's not a boring story. It's just a long story. Um, But we've only got like a certain amount of time. So if we were going to put it into that time, how did it start? So how would it start? It would start with the night before I came back to London after being in Ireland for seven months for the pandemic. And we were very here. excited about yep. being reunited um, because there was a time where we didn't think it would happen. Mm. Um, and I was already unsure what life was going to be like back in London because I'd spent seven months in Ireland and it was a weird time. And I was like, you know what, actually, you know, could I give Ireland a go? And I I wasn't sure. But all of that completely got thrown out the window because it wasn't even relevant when I accidentally stumbled across um, upon checking my testicle, a lump in my testicle. And here's the odd thing. I would say... I was already pre-aware of what testicular cancer was. I always that? knew that it was like a hard lump inside the testicle that wouldn't move. Well, this is this is the question that I was going to ask that probably a lot of people ask you is like, how did you know? Like, so when I was, it, what does it feel like? Well, when I was younger, I had like an almighty pain and discomfort in my testicles. Like, I remember being really young, and. I remember I saying it to my mom going, I, this is like, it's a shooting pain up my leg. So we ended up going to the hospital or not the hospital, to the doctor who examined and said, you just have a swelling in basically the tubes that connect the testicle to everywhere else. So like right. they're the epidermis and all those, um, medical terms. Yeah. They, they call it the bag of spaghetti feeling that you, you find. So it was a bit swollen there. So that was causing the pain because it was like an infection. So when I felt that and I thought the pain was there, I I had already been pre-exposed to the world of cancer. So I had an already panicky feeling that, oh my gosh, this must be me having cancer. Obviously in my naive, like young mind, that's yeah. where I went to. But the doctor told me all about it, but also in that had told me, this is what testicular cancer is if you do have it. So I was immediately settled because it wasn't. And he explained it to me. He was like, it's a hard lump inside the testicle walls, like a like a ball bearing or a frozen pea. And it doesn't move. And it, it you can feel, you, you will feel it by the light, the Midas touch. Yeah. So when I grazed my um, testicle on this night before I came home, I felt a lump and immediately repelled. And I was like, oh, that's just going to be something that I can deal with another day like an ingrown hair or something like that and I thought no let's check it because otherwise you're gonna lie here all night worrying about what it is absolutely so I forced myself like an adult to check it stood up 
because I'd already had a shower at this point, so I was already loose in the area, which is the important part. But I went down, I checked, and in a weird way, I had this feeling of content because I was like, oh, it's definitely, that's what it is. You knew? I knew straight away. But you almost. Didn't, you didn't know. I didn't but know, yeah. but I almost, I was like, I took comfort in knowing, okay, no, that's definitely testicular cancer. And then went to sleep and mm. said, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Tomorrow, obviously, was a different set of panic because I woke up the next morning a little bit like, I don't really want to deal with this now. There's like, it's the next day feeling. Um, and to answer your question, the feeling I had was like, I, the best analogy I can say is that it's like a small baby potato and there's a frozen pea or a stone inside it. And you, with the lightest touch, you just feel that yeah. there's something inside it because it's supposed to be soft. Yeah. And it's not. So that's the kind of I feeling. I mean, any guy in the world that's got balls can just have a little feel and see the difference in a testicle. I'm sure like we talk about it all the time on TV. Everybody talks about it and everybody doesn't talk about it as in like they just kind of like you say brush past it. Yeah. But it doesn't take two minutes. I mean, listen, guys, you probably touched down there <laughs> anyhow. So let's we always just have, yeah, we all, the, have the saying is always you have your hands down, down there. Your so pants just check. all the time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But the thing is, sometimes people don't necessarily know what they're checking for. So and also people don't if you've never checked, you don't know what they felt like until this point. Mm. So getting to know what your body feels like is important because you know what it's like now. So if anything changes tomorrow or the next day or a year later, yeah. you know that's different. I should get that checked. In the same way that like women should know what their breasts feel like. Absolutely. So um, that was that. Then I ended up like getting a call from a friend of mine the next day who could see that I was uh, in distress, Nicole. And she was like, what's wrong? Because we'd spoken quite a lot on FaceTime. She knew that there was something up by just looking at me. And I was like, oh, I've got this. And I probably would fall under the banner of being the type of person who's probably a little bit of a hypochondriac, a little bit of a moan, will always tell you if I've something wrong with me. Even if it is, I broke a nail. No comment. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, annoyingly. Annoyingly <laughs> open and honest about my my woes in life. But it helped me at this point because she was like, tell me what's wrong. And I said, I think I found a lump. She said, hang up right now. Call every doctor in your village and go and get an a cancellation and get it sorted because yeah. if it is someone then you need to act fast and if it's not there is just no point in hanging this yeah. having this hangout around you um she had read the book um lance armstrong uh tour de france winner mm -hmm. who had it in both testicles mm. so i did and then basically what ensued then is the process of trying to rule out testicular cancer to the point where they can't and then you get diagnosed but that was the day that i found it and that was the day I also flew home to see you and I hadn't told you, no, you obviously hadn't. over the phone, I hadn't told you. Um, and picked you up at Gatwick. Yeah. A very, like, it was just a weird time. Like, it was the first time I'd flown. It was the first time I'd been in an airport. I mean, I'm in a load of them now. I'm yeah. always in them. But it was like derelict. Like, the airport was derelict. Like, there's nothing open. It, and that that was probably the first time since giving up smoking and giving up drinking that I thought I could, if there was a shop and if there was a bar, oh, really? I would probably go and have a drink. It was a, it was a real fleeting moment, but because yeah. I was on my own. Nobody would know. I was like, this is the moment right now where the stress of telling people what's going on and dealing with it could drive me to do something destructive. Mm. 
Um, but just you to still didn't it. know at that point fully. Still didn't know. No. But do you remember what I said to you? Like, because yeah. it's a blur. Yeah. No, I, I, um, you weren't right. Yeah. Like, like we hadn't seen each other for so long. And like, I had this so much like built up excitement to see you and you got in the car and everything was normal until that. And then obviously our energies are pretty much aligned anyhow. Mm. And I could just feel that you had something to tell me. And I was waiting for you to tell me like, oh, I'm moving back to Ireland. That's really? in my head. I thought you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back because it was, it was big. Whatever it was, I can just remember it was big because it, it was um, engulfing you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And you wanted to tell me, but obviously that's not a thing to lead with, is it? Hey, haven't seen you for a, so long. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not great. I found a lump in my ball. Mm. You know, wow. Um, okay. And bearing in mind, my experience with cancer yeah. is obviously I lost my mum. Mm. So um, not to testicular cancer. She did not. <laughs> Your mum had balls, but that's she, not how she got she cancer. Not, <laughs> she did not have that. Um, so when you said it, um, when you said it, I was like, right, what do I need? How do I need to behave right now? Because I was like, that's, I was like, I needed to f- work out how I needed to be for you. It's like, such a classic Natasha Flegg thing to do. <laughs> how do I need to be? Like, like let, let me, before I, before I actually do what feels right, I'm just going to see if it's, I'm going to an- analyze this. Well, yeah, because. I think you were the first person I had to tell where I knew saying and where I was very conscious and mindful that discussing the word cancer would definitely drag up any kind of past experiences. Because from that point on, from after telling you, I was always very mindful that when you use the word cancer, everybody goes to their own place, whether it's a friend, a family member or like somebody they've lost, somebody that's yeah. beaten it. Like all, I I just know that that's what happens. But that's what, because that's what we do as people, isn't it? We kind of just bring it back to our own experiences and yeah. things like that. However, I made a conscious effort and decision to be like, well, this is different. Like this is a completely different journey. Like wherever we're at, which is quite early, we just, I was one to push you like we're, we're doing this. Like we, we're like, we go in there. I'll go wherever you need to go. I'll, you know, for me, it was like, I'll drop everything to do whatever you need to do. Whatever and you, you really did. Like, I definitely know that throughout this whole journey that was, there were times when I reflect and I go, wow, all I had to deal with was cancer at that point. Like, there was so much that I probably should have, or as we do now, deal with as adults living independently uh-huh. that we we discuss and we talk about and, and you have to just pick up what the other puts down or mm. you have to do responsible things. I think amongst many things, to be able to look back and be just grateful that you went, okay, all of this menial unimportant stuff that's floating around let me just take it yeah, that's that, at the time though it wasn't like that it was just like you needed to do you needed to focus on that and I wanted you to focus on that because I wanted you to be like you know oh we'll do it next week no we're not doing it next week we're doing it we're doing it this week yeah you're doing it now and then obviously from that stage it 
moved quite quickly. Obviously, you did have a diagnosis. We did go through like hospital procedures and then you had obviously an operation. You had it removed and then you went into full recovery. And that period, I honestly don't remember doing anything really social apart from oh god this sounds really selfish but making sure that you were okay like I literally like not batting down the hatches or anything like that but I was just like everything just I will say though there were times because we did we did it was my birthday 15th of September was my birthday so like I remember we went for a picnic in the park with your sister and like we did make an effort to look at other things other than just oh we, like, didn't, just was, we no. didn't just sit here we didn't just sit here and uh, that was that was obviously credit to like you creating something around me that was supportive and stuff but i did feel like for the first until we got the news that i i kind of was like i turned around to the nurse and i was like I'm telling people that I am being treated for testicular cancer. Am I wrong? And they were <laughs> yeah. like, am no, I no, am you're I not wrong, this? but we will never confirm it's cancer, like the type of cancer it is, until we know for sure. But, that, yeah, it's, but I was crazy. like, you're cutting off my test, like you're removing my testicle, right? So can I tell people that that's why you're doing it? And they, because I was really like mindful not, of like... It's not a procedure that I, I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't... I. I just, I wanted one. Yeah. I only wanted one. <laughs> it was a cosmetic for me. Yeah. Sprinklies. Um, yeah, like. I lean to the left anyhow, so it's fine. It just <laughs> makes, makes my balance a little bit easier. It's a bit crowded down there at all. There's a lot of stuff down there. It's quite big. I like tight jeans. So this is going to help me no end. <laughs> I want to wear a Speedo. <laughs> um, no, but I remember, I remember yeah. feeling like a liar. Like, I remember feeling like I was living a lie because mm. I would meet people. I remember we went to this one particular event where a load of our friends were there, this weird social distance outside event. Oh, God. Um, it was for Hunsnet. It was like one of the orig- one of the first. Oh, yeah. And we went and everyone was like, oh, my God, David, haven't seen you. Oh, my God, it's been so long. And they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I remember I'm amazing. Day. Yeah, I'm great. Lying. Yeah. Like full on lying. And I forced myself to go because I didn't want to be at home alone and you were working. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, But I was very conscious of you being there because I was very conscious about what other people were saying to you and what your response was because I didn't want you to feel like you couldn't say what you wanted to say. No, I think I had decided before I went that I was just not going to bring it up. Um, It wasn't the time or place. No. And also (laughs) I I just wanted to forget about it. But um, that's fair. Yeah, it was a it was a quick old process though after that because I think it was six weeks from discovery to surgery and then six weeks from surgery to getting the actual result of being all clear. That was six I think weeks. about twelve, thirteen weeks. Yeah. Like very yeah. quick. And like in an in a in a COVID world of like hospitals over here. Absolutely. It was so strange. Um It fell right. Like it it almost like aligned and that's why that's where I feel lucky. Yeah, I felt like it really aligned because there could have been a much longer time or process where you would have been in a much weirder headspace. You know, it was almost like uh, I was wanting it to go quicker for you to have a result so we could find out what was... So then yeah. we could just deal with it. Because yeah. when I when I know uh, the right thing, I can deal with it a lot quicker. I just... I mean, I felt like we had a bit more control over it then. Yeah. You know, like... You went into hospital, right, I'm going to do this. You came out of hospital, right, I'm going to do this. Never thought I'd pick you up and put you in a bath, but we did that. Oh, wow. Um, do we have know? to talk about the bath? 
We have to talk about the bar. <laughs> well, you were so uncomfortable. Post-surgery. Oh, my God. I'd never had surgery. So I will say, I remember your sister literally, you deliberately invited your sister around for a cup of tea one day because I'd had a meltdown like two or three days before. Um, Cheryl and Jamie were here. We were having a night, like it was a Saturday night in. They were here. Yeah. We were having drinks and I just, I was like, I don't know what happened. I just went to a different place. Uh, yeah, I've never seen you be like that before as well. We were like, whoa, whoa, yeah. yeah. And I think they left the next day and you yeah. were like, so what's going on? I can't even say it. I can't even say it because I just remember you sat down next to me on the sofa and I was like, I don't want to die. And that like moment, whoo, shit. Sorry, guys, it got deep. Yeah, it's a moment. It's a it's a it's a big thing to say. It's a big thing to say out loud. Yeah. Because Again, up until then, I was like, "It's appointment. It's appointment. It's, nothing's real. Like nothing's real. It's people yeah, you're, you're speaking, going into it, and they're talking language that you don't understand, and that's yeah, what like, you're that's, learning. Yeah. And like, all these words like oncology and all these words, I'm like, yeah. oh, I thought that was birds. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Oncology, absolutely nothing to do with birds. Um, yeah, it was that. And then because it was moving so fast, I remember thinking, I don't know what the next thing is. Like mm. nobody said what the next thing is. So you'd never leave an appointment without somebody telling you, okay, this is what's going to happen next. And then the last appointment I left was that somebody would be in touch. Or they and and then and then the conversation was about surgery. So I thought the next thing I'm doing is having surgery. Yeah. That's like gonna be like next week because there's nothing in between that. But it wasn't for another two weeks. However, in that moment I was like, I'm not I've never had surgery. I don't yeah. I don't know what happens. Mm. I don't know how they're taking this thing out. I was still convinced that they were gonna take a scissors to my ball sack. Yep. Um yep, that was a that was an interesting <laughs> conversation we had. I thought he was just gonna cut it off. Which, when someone explains it to you, that makes all the sense that they don't cut your ball sack. No, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt, my friend. That's going to really heal hurt. either. But where did they take it out of? So they... they sunroof. Cesarean. Sunroof, out the sunroof. Yeah, like the cesarean. cesarean. I had a cesarean on the left-hand side. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember not knowing what surgery was. So obviously then after my meltdown of like crying, and I'm not a big crier, am I? No, no, no. There's um, only a few times I've ever seen you cry. Yeah. So that was one of them. And Charlotte came around because Charlotte, your sister, amazing woman, always one to call when you've got a crisis in the medical industry because she'll always calm your nerves or shit you up. One, yeah, one or the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, one or the other. She just won't lie to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks, Charlotte. She came around and she explained that actually she was once an anesthetist. An in, say that word. Go on. An anesthetist. Go on, one more time. An anesthetist, which is basically the people that put you unconscious. Um, and she explained the process and she was like, this is what happens, this is what happens, this is what happens. So the, the day the day I went into surgery, I was like, hiya. I needed to know that as well because like, I was like, well, I don't know how you're going to come out. You know, how, you, you know, if you were staying in hospital for two days yeah. or if you were staying, you you were in and out. Literally, you dropped me at 7 a.m. Yep. I sat in a room watching Emily in Paris. Yeah. I went and cried in the car. Oh, Oh, actually, I never asked you. What did you do that day? Because, like, I obviously went... I can't remember. Where did I go? Where did I go? I cried in the car. So there was, there was obviously, 
I had the WhatsApp group, the Ball Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Mum, Dad, Barry, Karen, Lucy, you. Oh yeah, nobody really all gets the in peeps, touch on that anymore. Nicole. I miss that group. Everybody for like, because it was just easier to explain information once. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I I don't remember a I don't remember an Instagram story from you that day. No, I don't. I remember obviously speaking to your mum and dad and yeah. Barry separately. Do you know what I mean? Because there was one thing about the squad, but obviously. They weren't there. Your family weren't there. No. They weren't like able to see you. They, they they only just heard what you said on the phone. Or so I spoke to them quite a lot. Yeah, because I needed to, and I wanted to as well. Um, yeah, I don't know where I can't remember where I went because I dropped you off and picked you up. So yeah, you, they wouldn't let me go unless somebody was picking me up. Yeah, but it was like twelve hours. It was 12 hours. So I went yeah. in at seven. I think I had my surgery at one or two. And I couldn't come in. They weren't no, you're not allowed right. into the hospital. I had to go in all by myself, which is scary as well. I lay down on a bed and some woman turned around and was like, no, you're not supposed to be in here. I was like, thank fuck. Somebody might have been taking my leg off. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Testicular cancer. No, he's yeah. got no foot. All I've got is like a biro <laughs> pen mark with an arrow pointing towards my left testicle. Like, you know, anything You've got to come out as Davinia. <laughs> Yeah, please make sure we don't mix up the paperwork here. <laughs> oh my that gosh. would be a terrible mistake to happen. So oh. then you're walking around this hotel in a gown and like, oh my God. Anyway, I remember coming around from the anesthesia and there's just a lot of people moving around. They give you this milky tea. Now, I don't drink milk and I definitely don't have milky tea with no, sugar in it. They drink and I remember it tasting amazing. And then I, I also like there was a guy, there was a, a nurse guy to my left and there was a female who was the woman who came in and, presented as the um the surgeon i don't know whether she was the one that did the surgery or not. but then there was this was older asleep. woman like in a nurse's outfit wandering around to this day i'm fully convinced that she wasn't there i just imagined her potentially she, or else she was i was just able to see the afterlife because she was wandering around yeah. just like telling people what to do but not doing she anything she used to work there in 1704 <laughs> She roams the halls up and yeah. down looking after. So then they, they carted me back up to a room. They said, once you eat this, handed me a sandwich. I think it was egg in it or something. Yeah. Once you eat this and go for a wee, you can leave. So literally like you're an outpatient. Yeah. But I don't know if they do that. That's I have only one experience of having no, of a course. testicle off. So And I think because you are fit and healthy and you were fit and healthy. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, well, we praise what, that a yeah. lot. This we is the thing that. I always say to people. I was the fittest and healthiest I've ever been in yeah. my life because all I did for seven months was train. Mm -hmm. And I think that really did you a good stead and helping in your recovery process too. Yeah, yeah. And your recovery sure. process was hard to watch because it was stages and obviously you went through a really uncomfortable stage. And I think you went through stages mentally as well. Like you went through... Yeah the guilt phase and you went through the like no I'm okay I'm like oh I'm on top of the world I've like nailed it then then the guilt kicked yeah. in and then you were like nah I'm just gonna talk about it because that's the only thing I'm gonna do and I think that was a bit of a front to start with and then you found a comfortability in talking about it and as you have done for all these years after and I don't think you should stop talking about it even though because the journey stopped yeah uh, experience didn't and I think you know I I hear you talking on podcasts. I hear you doing interviews about it. I hear you um, journaling because I can hear your brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like I've heard the it it's story a lot of times. It changes it, you. I, I mean, cancer changes you, whether it's you or whether it's somebody else. And you know this. Like it, it completely. 
like moves your direction of your life and where you think you're heading and it puts it all into perspective and you go a completely different way. There's absolutely no way I could have predicted where I currently am three years ago. I couldn't have done it. Like, I'm not a completely different person, but I am a completely different person, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course, because of those experiences. And I Mm. think I'm cancer has shined as what are the words I'm trying to say cancer has made me feel differently about it because obviously the experience I had losing my mum and then seeing you survive was like I kind of see it in a different light as well Mm. you know so I it is a horrible word we don't like saying it we don't like talking about it um but you don't like talking about it no I don't like no I, I don't I like talking about what you went through, but obviously that's because you're um, a success story and it's amazing. Like it just defines people differently, but I don't think you've let it define you in that sense. Mm. You've just written your own story around it. And I guess like, apart from my mum, you're the closest person to me that's ever been affected by it. Um, I mean, I lost grandparents, but you know, they're a bit too far removed in Mm. that sense. So I just, you know, it's it's a different take on it. You know, when you... Not a lot of people talk about, like, the success stories either because yeah, I feel no, like I they always... feel like they're guilty about, oh, well, I had it and now I don't. So let's just not talk about that because there's a lot of people that sadly, you know, don't go through that. There are definitely moments and have been moments in the last three years where I've gone like internally gone mm. shut up david nobody wants to hear you talk no, about that it. was me that was me <laughs> <laughs> through <laughs> the wall <laughs> um but then i have a conversation with somebody randomly at an event yeah. that they come up to me and they start talking to me and they go i have no idea why i'm telling you this but i only recently mm-hmm. i had a woman at christmas come up to me she was like i've literally just gone into remission with my cancer she was like it was the hardest thing i've ever done in my life I've just come out for this night and I was hosting an event and she's like, you've just made me laugh for the first time properly. And she was like, ah, and then she's like, stops herself. She's like, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And I went, I know why you're telling me. I know why you're telling me. I said, because I've been through the cancer journey myself. Shared it. And whilst I haven't had what you've had, there's a a world in which we belong to where you've gravitated towards me. Believe what you want to believe. And I think you should share. You should share because if people don't want to listen, they won't listen. If people don't want to listen to this podcast right now, they won't listen to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I absolutely understand that we started on the word testicular cancer and somebody might have turned off or, you know, if you if you got to this point and you're still listening, like, good on you for, like, listening to something that's actually real. Mm. Like, it's genuine. Um, it happened. I'm not going to say I'm grateful for it because don't freaking do that again. Please. No, I don't, don't want to do, do it, it again. again. No. But no, I, I do know firsthand because I've been told the and I, I look back at the video once a year when it comes around because yeah. the video I did on online which which was like I don't know who that guy thought he was but the incur the courage displayed and I don't know where I got it from but I got it from somewhere to to do what I did because I know the result of it now yeah that that reached far and wide it went the distance it helped people people came to me 
asked me questions. People who will never, nobody will ever know, yeah. asked me questions. People reached out to offer advice to you. Mm -hmm. um, and people came to me and said, I saw your video. I checked my balls. I had a lump. I went to the doctors. It was testicular cancer. And now I am a survivor. Like that is worth a million dollars, pounds, euros. Which currency? Yeah. All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> it is. It, I remember the first time that happened. And it being so important to me. Yeah. That. Changing one person or like. Just one person. One person. One person. That's, that's all. Enough. Because when you share your message, you're only ever really sharing it for one person. Because you can't expect everybody to listen. No. And that's why I say I'm going to say it again. If you've. If you're listening to this and you've got a pair of balls. Check, check them. them. If you're listening to this and you've got a lovely pair of breasts. Just check them. Like. What is the breast thing? What what do you what are you looking for? Because I mean, I always say it, especially when I do talks and there's a room full of women. It's the easiest comparison to make is that you need to know what your balls feel like. Yeah. You should know what your tits feel like. But what are you looking for? It's it's similar, but there's the thing is your breasts change all the time. Like your breasts change because of hormones throughout the month and things like that. Got it. And we have more things going on in our breasts. So obviously you've got nipples and. Well, most people have those. And if you don't, you should uh, definitely get a tattooed one by our good oh friend God, Hayley, friend who is Hayley just, she's doing um, a course on tattooing nipples onto, not well, you can have a nipple wherever you want, but obviously she's doing it for people that are either suffering from, they've had mastectomies or scar tissue or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just amazing. Like we saw what she did the other day and it's just incredible. Like yeah. amazing stuff. But when you're looking for that, obviously you can you can read as much as you want, and I I urge anybody to read. But you're looking for any changes in your breast that are abnormal, and as as a woman that has breasts, you know what your breasts feel mm. like, and you should know there's the difference in swelling, heart issues, um, excretion from nipples and things like that, mm. dryness, anything. Just and the best place to do it is in the shower. Is it the, it's the same. So it's it after a shower. Similar. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a question now. Your mum, it was breast cancer that she caught, wasn't it? She, um, the Her primary source was breast cancer. Got it. Yes. But she didn't catch it in time. She um, actually recovered from breast cancer. Right. She had it um, years prior to um, what she died of, which was liver cancer. Um, so, yeah, actually it it returned she was in remission for a long period of time and then she the cancer cells just returned into a bigger part of her body and just spread a lot quicker so the test the breast cancer and the liver cancer connected um she'll ha she would have had cancerous cells within her body Got it. so when she first had breast cancer um we were a young age so i was a young age old enough to know that she wasn't very well but not old enough to realize that she just cracked on as a woman and just or even was like, to know what cancer yeah, was yeah. you know 15 16 it was just like what i'm not too sure like you're gonna be okay and she was and she didn't have a full mastectomy she had um part of her breast removed yeah and did some radiotherapy she didn't have chemotherapy so i think it would have been different if she had gone through chemotherapy and like her mum would have lost hair yeah, yeah i think it would have been different but also my mum was very good at hiding things so she just kind of was like i'm just gonna get on with it i'm just gonna right. deal with keeping it keeping up appearances keeping up appearances and then lo and behold i was like well 
is, she, is that woman all right now? Yeah, all right, fine. She's fine. She's and then like years later, ten years later, sadly, um, it came back with a vengeance, and that was a lot more difficult to kind of treat because mm. she wasn't able to be treated. It was too mm. far gone at that point, and it it was only. <laughs> I mean, we'll all have our different um, stories about this. I think because obviously, me, my brother, my sister, and my dad lived it in a in in our own ways kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but my mum was supposed to come out to see me in Costa Costa del Sol. I was working at the Holiday Village mm. in um, 2010. In 2010, and she was supposed to come out in the June. Me, um, my mum, my dad, and their friend Jean, lovely Jean, salt of the earth, salt of the earth. Um, my mum fell over and broke her ankle on the back step. Oh. outside the house and she was like I can't come because I obviously can't fly because it's in a cast I was like okay well I'll probably see you in six weeks time then get your legs sorted and they came out in September instead and mum Jean and Trevor <laughs> Trevor that's my dad um, <laughs> <laughs> came out in September um, and her leg had not gone down like her leg had just it was constantly wasn't healing yeah it was just really swollen and I was like mum that's not like you like yeah and she just seemed deflated and we walked to Gibraltar. Well, we didn't walk to Gibraltar. We, we um, travelled to Gibraltar and walked up the rock and everything like that. Mm. She just wasn't the woman that like bikes everywhere, walks everywhere. Does, you know, she didn't when you drive. haven't seen somebody in a long time, you notice yeah, those massive I did changes. Know. Yeah, I did. And I was like, your leg is not healing. Um, and then she went back to the doctors and then um, found out her leg wasn't healing and she didn't have very good white blood cells. Um and then she went for more tests and then, yeah, sadly. Because you can't find the signs of, well, you probably could. I don't know. Like some, the world of cancer is just. Well, everybody can't get field. checked every time, every no, day, like no. everything, which is, that's the difficult thing. We can't but do that. We have so much more awareness from. Oh, completely. The time 2010 to 2020, like 10 years yeah. later. Like there is so much more information out there in the mm. world to get and whether we choose to read it or not is down to us and I, yeah. I know I'm very much that person's like oh that hurts I'll just put it to a side I know and I, sh- I shouldn't mm. and I, I don't do it on all occasions but that's you know we should do we should do more yeah well this is this we've, we've gone deep I know thankfully I you know I I did come out the the better side of it unfortunately but it's only because we like we we have the best time together and we have all these fun times but we we sometimes do just sit and talk deep stuff as well we wanted to share that and i'll keep it light and airy i'll tell them the story about the bath shall i oh yeah let's go back to the bath let's go back to the bath so it is um post-surgery and i am i am sofa bound for the most part of the day just kind of chilling relaxing let me just ask you this go on how much of that was you actually sofa bound? How much of that was that you just being a lazy bastard? No, <laughs> don't be like that. Because on day two, I walked up the high street. Do you remember? Yeah, and I was like, where and are I, you going? Yeah, I did. We where walked up the high street. It took going? a long time, but I did it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And then, and then the schools kicked out, and I was like, quick, get me home, because I literally look like a ghost. Come on, granddad. Yeah. Get you back in. And uh, yeah, so day two, I did a little bit of walking, and I was just slowly but surely yeah. getting around. But I had a problem because... They had given me cocodamol. Is that what it is? Yep, cocodamol. Codeine, basically, as a painkiller. And they just said, take two 
four times a day, blah, blah. So I'm yeah. smashing the codeine, terrified that if I don't take it, I'm going to feel pain. Yeah. Um, and, and then that. eventually I was like, oh, wow. Okay, I've got a pain in my stomach. Because that I need, clogs you up. Yeah, codeine dries it out. Um, and I needed to go to the toilet for the pain in my stomach, but I couldn't because the fear of pushing anything or making any tension in that area gave me the fear. So I was like, I need to go. I don't want to go, but I want to go, but I can't go. And then eventually it got to the point where my body was like, wait, what the hell do you want? Yeah. And um, poor little arsehole. My poor little arsehole (laughs) was throbbing (laughs) to the point where it was, I was in so much pain and tension that the only thing we could think of, or I think it was your idea, Mm. was that I just get into a bath. I so, just needed you to relax because you were so tense and you were so like, so, God, you were like recoiling into your body. And I was like, but I could see the pain and I knew, you know, even the foods that I was giving you wasn't helping. Yeah. Um. So I ran a hot, warm bath and basically stripped you, picked you up and put you in the bath. <laughs> and you sat there like freaking Mr. Burns from home, from Simpsons. I like, lay oh. sidewards in the bath. It was just like, just trying to get my arse all to relax. But also you just, yeah, just for you to relax, not just, oh my God. It was, it was intense. I should have just taken some poppers. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we not think of that? Oh, hindsight's twenty yeah. twenty. But um, yeah, there was just this real moment that I'll never forget of me lying in a shallow bath, like, like kind With of me like sat on the toilet, not on the toilet, you. but just sat there watching you. We're in <laughs> candlelight and we're trying to relax. <laughs> we're just having this conversation and I'm just looking at you going, what the hell is life? <laughs> what is but life? after that bath, after that bath, you, we had a moment <laughs> and, you. and I shouted down the stairs. I went, I booed. <laughs> I'd never been more happy about a poo in my life. No, me too. <laughs> Gosh, you should see in the aftermath. Oh my god, it wasn't. Stop it. No, I'm but kidding. yeah, that was that was a real moment that you only share with very certain <laughs> people in your life. No, I know, but uh, yeah, there there was a lot of moments, you know. There you was saw the of best times. of me and the worst of me. I did, but that doesn't bother me as long as I was part of it. That's all that counts. I will say thank you though, and I say this a lot, and I know you know, but I don't know if I could have done it without you. You could have done it without me. You were just lucky enough to have me there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I know. I know. <sighs> you don't need to thank me. I would have done it. I said well, I said this to you as well. I was like, oh, I'd have done it to anybody. I would have done it for anybody. Mm, I don't know if I would have. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since uh, making that... Uh, comment i don't think i would know yeah well hopefully if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't know all that story or certainly didn't know that bit of the story you feel a little bit more (laughs) included in the backstory of testicular cancer and my journey our journey through it albeit i will end on the positive note because i managed to take myself off to mallorca in november um, and we were doing Movember, so I was doing the mm. whole Movember. It's actually the end of October. I went. I just needed to get out of England. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna go to Mallorca, and just happy place after the after the surgery. Just go to the happy place. Just go and be out away from hospitals and appointments and stuff. And 
I knew that the phone call was scheduled with the oncologist, um, which was a stressful time waiting for that call. So I thought the best thing to do was preoccupy myself and get out of the country. Um, so I went and on the 31st of October, 2020, which was a blue moon, a full moon, a blue moon. And once in every blue moon, something good happens. Mm. And I was on the beach, sitting on a sun lounger, watching the blue moon. And the phone went and it was the oncologist. And it was the first phone call we ever had together. Now now she's a mate. Um, And she said a lot of scientific things that I didn't fully understand. But she said, I can say that we are confident the removal of your testicle means that you are now cancer free. That's amazing. And it never gets boring saying those words. It really, it really doesn't. It, like, I feel, I feel an emotion when I say that I am cancer free. Like, because I remember it all. And I remember it all of what it could have been if it didn't pan out the way it panned out. Yeah. Um. And and it's 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 not the ending of the story, but it's the end of that chapter. Can I tell you one thing that I do really regret? Go on. Which is well, it's not me regret. You obviously were asked if you were going to have a synthetic um, ball oh, put yeah. in, and yeah. you did. You said no for your I own said reason. No, yeah. It's just a shame because I really wanted you to have like a luminous UV light. Ball. I know we had so many fun Honestly, ideas of I what just, that would be like. <laughs> we run around this house all the time, semi-naked, naked. We've seen inside, outside of each other all the time. And the fact that if we could have, I would have seen you. I would have, you know, you scare me all the time. <laughs> in the dark, I would have at least seen you fucking come in you because your ball like... would have been glowing in the dark. And that would have been. And if the, it's not the... glowing, can you put a bell in it? <laughs> Imagine. I mean, obviously, when they do a, like a fake testicle, it's just this like mini silicon ball. Yeah. It was funny the day that the nurse showed me what it was because I was like, guys, I can't agree to something unless you show me what it is. And yeah. I have these images in my head that we'd been talking about. Like, you know, is it light up? Can I get it to make a noise? Is it a golf ball? <laughs> yeah. Has it got um, ridges on it? Um. <laughs> I just wanted it to be lit up so much. And I wanted it to be a remote control one that I could control. Oh, you're feeling blue. Let's do a little colour change. Little LED <laughs> you feel, light. You like have a little mood mood testicle. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have mood rings. David has a mood, a mood ball. ball. <laughs> Why so blue? Uh, yeah. Imagine. Little stress ball. Yeah. Little fidget spinner. Um I decided against it um, because I'd go, I mean, they're not, they don't do it immediately. If it was a one out, one in thing, I would have done it, but they just whip it out. And I'm like, I really don't need to be opened up again and go through the whole surgery thing for you. You look grand. You look grand. But the nurse, the day she showed it to me, she held it in her hand. Like she, she ushered me into this back office. Do you remember that office in the hospital where they did the bloods, the first bloods? Yeah. They took about 17 vials of blood. <laughs> How much do you want? <laughs> yeah, leave some in. Um, this like small little office. And of course, my experience, as we said, of this hospital and hospitals is only of a COVID time. So not everything is as it was or as it should no. be. So we're in this back office and she's like showing me this ball and she's like, do you want to hold it? And I'm just like, like, I don't do know what else don't? to do. I don't know what. It's just me and you and me 
with a fucking ball in my hand and I'm like, I don't know what else to do here, but... You should have just gone, have you got this in purple? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I use, it's on my desk. Sometimes I use it to use as a stress ball. And I was like, come on, Sheila. Like, you, you know, this is a this is a serious conversation here. Don't be using my ball as a stress but relief. Like, I could just imagine you in your office going, guys, where's the ball? I'm a bit stressed. <laughs> just squeezing a man's Which ball. One? Um, but yeah, never had a ball. Do have sperm in the bank, though. I know. Yeah, so if anybody wants that, I'm I'm happy to whoa, sell. Whoa, whoa, You said I get first refusal on that. Come on. Please. you. I just don't think you need my children in your life. <laughs> oh, God. People think we're weird enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can't oh, even keep a plant alive. Hey! Although the Poncietta from 2019 has come back it's, to life. Yeah, and got re- red leaves. I'm like, look at her grow it's april (laughs) (laughs) it's because i put her in the the cupboard anyway um yeah so that's that's the the story of i'm glad you shared some of the story thank you for letting me share it i know you were scared about it you're a bit worried weren't you i was a bit worried i don't yeah your emotions were gonna go no no i've no it's one of those times it's not about me it's it's a it's a good story it is a good story. And it's important to talk about these things. Correct. So go yeah. check your balls. Go, go check your balls. Go check your boobs. And we'll go and pick up or some go light. And some, enter- go and check somebody else's Somebody balls. else's, yeah. yeah. We'll go and pick up some light topics for the next podcast in two weeks' time. Sure. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions about testicular cancer or anything. Ask him, not ask me. Ask somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.